Here, at the end of the service, you come help yourself. Those are free. So, hey, let me talk a little bit about Oktoberfest. We, you know, Oktoberfest for us, when the church started, was an event for us. The church was brand new. It was a way for the church to hang out together, for relationships to form, and for people to get to know each other. I know when we came here in 2007, that was our first. It wasn't even called Oktoberfest then. It was just called the Chili Cook-Off, and we rented it. We were in the movie theater back then off of uh, Kiln Creek there in Regal Cinema, so we had to rent space from another church Sunday afternoon. We were on Sunday morning still. We didn't have the Saturday revelation, and uh, and so we were... but it was an event for us. It's not an event for us anymore. It's an event for the community. And in order for it to be an event for the community, it means that all of us have to show up to serve that night. And so I'm just saying, if you call this your church home and you're not signing up to do something, then this is not your church home. Because being your church home means that you want to serve other people when they come. And it's so big now, it takes all of us to make it happen. So trunk or treat, we want to have that parking lot full for kids. Even if you're not entering the contest to win the trunk or treat prize, then just hang a streamer or something off your trunk and just fill it with candy. Because I'm just telling you, the kids don't really care about the decoration. They care about the candy, right? So what we want to do is we're just challenging. And every week between now until Oktoberfest, if you call this your church home, you should have a job of some sort that night. You with me? All right, come on. It's good. Hey, just two more quick things. Uh, the Facebook check-in, I just want to encourage you. We've done, just for the couple of weeks that we've been doing it, 1,392 gallons of fresh drinking water to refugees around the world. It's good. So if you have a Facebook page and you have a smartphone, then just make sure you check in when you come. And we're partnering with an organization. We're trying to do some creative things to, to have a bigger impact in the world and to meet practical needs. It doesn't cost you anything to check in, but it's six gallons, I think I saw on the slide, six gallons of clean drinking water goes to a refugee with every check-in that we do. So make sure that you're checking in and just make some comment about why you're excited about being here. You could even talk about that. So, hey, my last one is version. If you're an a, a iPhone or an Android user, which I'm not sure why you'd be the latter, but just saying. So, so if either one that you use, either one that you use, version is an app that you can download to your phone, and, and, and you can go on and find, once you create a login, you can find the live event of City Life Church Newport News, and every week the sermon is in that app. So you can follow along. My notes are in there. It populates all the verses for you. You can make notes yourself and archive and save things. And so it's just a great means of technology for you to engage. We cover a lot of ground, as you're going to see again tonight. It's a teaching pulpit. Uh, we also upload the notes every week to our website. It's a PDF document. So I know we cover a lot of ground. So we make sure that we're working to help you process that during the week. It's hard to keep track sometimes. Uh, in the service. So the service is kind of for you. To, if you're a note taker, that's great. Uh, but if it's too much for you, that's okay. There's resources that are available to you to get those notes uh, free of charge and so that you can follow along. So hey, we're doing giveaways every week as part of this series, uh, Watch Your Mouth. And so we're asking you to do something every week. And so this past week, uh, we asked you to share some advice that a trusted friend, a gay, no, no, we that's next week. This past week was a parent, right? Or somebody, it was a parent or family member, somebody that spoke into uh, your life. And so I want to give one of these giveaways here. And we also have somebody donated some pumpkin carving tools. How cool is that? So right, you can donate for giveaways, right? And we work it in. So Stephanie Smith, I think, is Stephanie? 
Stephanie on the Saturday Life team. She might be on the Saturday, but she's here. I see her back there. She had a great, somebody told her that feel the fear, but do it anyways. Come on. That's good. So that's for Stephanie. And then I had one for Sally McDonald. I think Sally is here also. She might be is she in Kid Life? So this is for Sally. Can I give this to you, David? And you can make sure she gets that. So you can check them out on Facebook, things that they said and stories that you told. And then I have just a little extra giveaway. I'm doing, adding some stuff in. We have been partnering, thanks to Jason and Amy Kearney, have connected with the Pirate Run. It happens over at the Mariners Museum. And, and uh, they, they, they look each year for a, a not-for-profit organization. doesn't necessarily have to be a church to come and partner with them as volunteers and provide all the water for the racers uh, as they come across the finish line. And so we got to do that last year and we did such a good job. They asked us to come back this year and, and we're hoping that we're just going to be able to do that every year. And uh, Amy Kearney, one of our very own, won the race for both men and women, beat all the men and the women. So I know. So when they announce her, they announce her. She's got a YSaturday.com t-shirt on and, and they talk about the church. So she might've had a little supernatural help, right? Pushing her pushing her down the race, but, but uh, they gave me a shirt to give away, and I'm going to give this to Stan Anderson tonight. Going to give this to Stan. Because during the greet time, he just, he was, he always, he's, if you don't notice, he's an amazing man of God. Amazing man of God. He has been working with Youth Challenge for a long time, discipling uh, these young men who are troubled and heading up their choir ministry and traveling with them. And just he and Betsy are just treasures here at the City Life Church. Been here from the beginning, all 10 years. Yes, you can clap for them. But oftentimes he'll just whisper these, you know, when I see him, he'll just throw a little truth at me, you know. And, uh, and so during the greet time, he said, he said, don't ever forget, Pastor, that if iron is going to sharpen iron, which if you're familiar with that proverb, somebody's got to lose some material. There's got to be some shavings that are left behind. Isn't that good? I know. And so I said, did you hear from that from somebody or is that an original? Is that a Stan Anders? He said, no, it's mine. So it's like, come on, isn't that good? So anyways, I'm just thanking you, Stan, for being a part of this church. So, hey, if you don't have sandpaper, you need some, right? So anybody here not have these two little pieces of sandpaper, raise your hand. Keep your hand up until they get you. There's going to be people walking around. You need one of each. So just keep your hand up. You need one of each. And so lots of young people here. Somebody might need to help Q if he's the only one and grab a handful. But you need, again, one of each. One of each. So, hey, next week's giveaway is going to be uh, on Facebook, post a time where a trusted friend corrected you. Post a time where a trusted friend corrected you, uh, and at the end of it, hashtag it. Don't embed the hashtag because sometimes it's hard to search it, but at the end of it, uh, do hashtag watch your mouth and then tag at City Life uh, VA, at City Life VA. So, all right, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to 1 Peter 3.10. 1 Peter 3.10. Cortez isn't here if you're wondering. Is Cortez here? Oh, he is here. Brother, this is for you. This is for Cortez. This is, we care about people at the City Life Church. How, how many people are Duke's Mayonnaise people? Raise your hand. Are you Duke's? We might start, the church might split right here tonight. How many people are Hellman's? And I'm raising my hand for Hellman's. I know. Can I just say there is nothing miraculous about Miracle Whip? It, it's a false miracle, and the Bible has a lot of things to say about that, all right? So, but then if you're a Miracle Whip fan, Cortez posted a picture inside of his refrigerator was a no-fat generic Miracle Whip, right? I don't even know what that is, brother. That's somebody melted down Tupperware in a big, big pot 
and spray painted it. So, bro, I brought you real mayonnaise because I love you. I love you. All right. There you go. There you go. All right. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. All right. I thought they were at a conference this weekend, and so I'm glad I peeked up and saw them back there. Sorry, Claudia. Sorry. 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 Oh. All right, 1 Peter 3.10. 1 Peter 3.10. Somebody came up earlier before the service started and said, are, are we having ham biscuits tonight? <laughs> I'm like, oh, right? Because if you're from Virginia, that's what, you, you know, you're, we're ham biscuit people here. Right, Jamal? I heard Jamal say, yeah, all right. 1 Peter 3.10. This is the verse that, that, that uh, when we got together, a team of us, to, to put this series together, I'm, Pastor Jamie would just give him credit. You know, God spoke to him and said, do, you, you all need to do a series on the power of words. And so he shared that. We all felt it, that this was it. And then we got together, a bunch of us. Sharon Thomas was a part of that team. And she shared this verse as a contribution that she made. And it kind of became the rallying cry uh, for the whole series. It's 1 Peter 3.10. It says, for the Scripture says, it's, that's pointing back to Psalm 34. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil. Let me read it again. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips and your lips from telling lies. Fathers, we just open up your word together tonight. We pray that you would open up our hearts and you would plant something deep inside of us that would change the way that we live in Christ's name. Come on, and everybody said, Amen. So this week was, was kind of a reflective week for me. It was, uh, my, my dad passed a year ago at Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving, and so his birthday is October 15th, and then it's also my parents' anniversary. Smart guy, isn't it? He was never going to forget his anniversary because they got married on his, on his birthday. So this was one of our first. If you've had a loved one that passes, you know firsts are always hard, right? The first Father's Day and the first birth. So this was his first birthday and their first anniversary uh, with my dad not being here. And so I was just thinking about him just a lot this week. And, and one of the things he always said to me, he loved to do stuff himself and, and uh, work on the car, home projects. He would figure it out. And they didn't have YouTube back then either, so I don't know how he did it. I wouldn't be able to do half the things I do today without YouTube. And so, but he would always say to me, he would say, son, always take the time to get the right tool. Always take the time to get the right tool, right? So we're under the car and something needs to be tapped and we've got this big old crescent wrench and I reach for it to get ready to whack it. I can still feel his hand grabbing my wrist, right? Uh-uh. Take the time to get the right tool. I'm like, Dad, it just needs a little tap. It's not going to hurt the tool. Uh-uh. It's not about the tool. It's about take the time to get the right tool. And so many times when I'm doing projects, I'm upstairs, right? You're on your back, you're behind the toilet, you're trying to, uh, uh, right? And you, and you don't have the right tool. And I could just make it where I can always hear my dad say, son, take the time to get the right tool. What, what if with our words, we lived our lives that way? What, what if as, as we lived our lives in conversation with people, we took the time to find the right words? So tonight's message is entitled, Right Tools. And one of the reasons why I'm giving you sandpaper is you're going to see in just a little bit that sometimes situations and circumstances require words that are very fine, and sometimes they require words that are extra coarse. And, and if you've ever done anything with sandpaper, you know if you've just got one kind of sandpaper, you're in trouble. 
right? You're either going to take off too much or you're going to leave too much on. Different kinds of surfaces require different kinds of sandpaper. If, if you're just thinking, I need to go to, to Lowe's, Home Depot, Ace Hardware, I love Ace Hardware, we're on Work Boulevard, it, you know, and th- I just need to pick up some sandpaper. You, if, you better prepare for some time because there's a lot of choices to make. Oh, there's lots of labels that you're going to have to, you got to make sure you get the right tool for the right job. And tonight's message is about making sure that we understand just with these two different concepts, the Bible has a lot to say about words that are ultra fine and then words that are extra coarse. We're going to actually use the word super fine because that just sounds cooler, doesn't it? All right, super fine. All right, so we're going to start with Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to just read a couple of verses here. Daniel 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men like the ones that we have in our sea, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning or gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. And the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. And they were to be trained for three years. And then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff named them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, and Hananiah was called Shadrach, and Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. You might recognize those last three from the story of the fiery furnace. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to him by the king. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Now, here's the, listen to this verse. So he asked the chief of staff for permission. He'd already determined, I'm not doing it. It's against my religion. I will not defy my God. But in the conversation, his first step is to ask for permission. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, the nation of Israel, for them, if we were to travel back in time, is lost. The northern kingdom has already fallen. Now the southern kingdom has fallen, and they have been taken away into what's referred to as the Babylonian captivity. They are slaves. They are the property of other people. Now I know that we read this and go, well, if you're going to be a slave, maybe their situation isn't so bad at all, right? When you read about the, 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 the opportunity that they've been given. Can I just say to you, I don't care what kind of opportunity I'm being given, I don't want to belong to somebody else. I don't want to be somebody else's property. They did not have freedom. They were, even though from the outside it looked as though their situation might be pretty, pretty good, they were still slaves to a foreign conquering army. And not only were they slaves to a foreign conquering army, they were slaves to a foreign conquering army that was pagan, did not believe in the one true God. And the Israelites believed that they had been chosen by God because they have been, if you read through the Old Testament narrative. And so they believed that even though our nation is lost, even though we're in captivity, we have a destiny as a people to reveal to the world the one true God. They have the moral high ground. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me what Daniel should have done was to say to them, I don't know if you know who we are, but we are children of the Most High God. 
and we will not eat this food that you have put in front of us because it's against our religion and that we would rather die than to defile and betray our faith, right? And Daniel and, 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 and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'd have been clapping for him, and right? If the only sandpaper you've got in your toolbox is extra coarse, then sometimes you're going to miss the purposes that God has for you. See, now you might say, well, maybe Daniel was being a little bit too political, or maybe he was, he, maybe he was a little bit afraid, and, and, and if you know anything about Daniel, you know that none of that is true. There is something to be said for in moments, understanding the right word for the right situation and the right moment. He asks permission. Let's look at another one together. Let's look at Acts 26, and then I'm going to give you six questions that you can ask yourself, and then we're going to talk about extra course. Acts 26, oh, this is a good one. Acts 26, two through three. So this is towards the end of Paul's ministry. We've, we've, we've moved through history a few centuries here. And Paul has is, is, is been used by God to travel around the, 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 uh, the Mediterranean world, if we want to call that that, planting churches and preaching. And, and uh, he's been arrested, and, and this is an opportunity that he has to stand before a local governor and then also the Jewish king who is appointed by the emperor. So this is Acts 26. Acts 26, I'm going to start reading in verse 2. It says, I am fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. For I know that you are an expert in all of Jewish customs and, and controversies. Now, please listen to me patiently, right? You're, you're hearing these words. It's deference. It's respect. It's courtesy. It's kindness. It's gentleness. Now, let me jump down to verse 24 and 25. Listen to what he says about Festus, who's the local governor, who's also appointed by Nero, who's the emperor at that time. Suddenly, Festus shouted, Paul, you're insane, right? Because he's preaching them to them the gospel. Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I, I'm not insane. Listen to what he calls him, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is the sober truth. Same thing. You see deference. You see respect. You, you see courtesy and kindness and gentleness. Let me, let me just tell you about these two men. So this is King Herod. Agrippa II. He's the seventh king in the Herodian line. I think he's the last one. He's the end of the line. He's the descendant of Herod the Great, who was the Herod that's part of the, the, the birth narrative of Jesus, right? Who we know was an evil, evil man. All the children that he had slain trying to destroy this coming king that was prophesied. And, and then all of those that were in his line did equally terrible, despicable things. This man here that's in front of Paul is with his sister Bernice. And it's common knowledge that he had a sexual incestuous relationship with his sister. And we all said ooh together, right? Ooh! Right, I mean, I'm just saying, right? These are, these are people that are doing bad things. If there had been Facebook in Paul's day, just saying. Somebody here would have posted, did you hear about Paul? He had an audience with Agrippa. Bernice was there. We know what that means. He did not say anything to them about what they were doing with each other. Nothing. In fact, he complimented him. In fact, he said he was glad he was there. Can you believe it? 
Because when John the Baptist, when he went before his grandfather, he had the courage to tell him, you should not be married to your brother's wife. And they cut his head off, but at least he was bold enough. Who is this Paul? What is he thinking? Calls himself a Christian. And that might have been one of you in this room that would have posted that. Festus. Oh, it gets better. Festus. Listen to Festus. Festus was appointed by Nero, who was a, he, he was, right, we all know about Nero in history, one of the most murderous emperors in Rome. He was, he was appointed by, by Nero. So Festus is an extension of, 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 Nero's, of Nero's authority. Nero was, was known for taking Christians, dipping them in oil, and lighting them on fire to illuminate his gardens in the evenings. I know. It's a, you're like, who, who could do that? Right? The, Festus represents the authority of Nero in this land. Facebook post number two. Festus was there. Christians burning, being burned alive in Nero's courts. Paul didn't say anything about that because he's afraid. Man, it dipped him in oil and lit him on fire. Called him most excellent. I wasn't there, but my cousin Bobby's brother's aunt's neighbor's sister's cousin's friend knew somebody who was, and I heard about it. Right? We, we, we laugh, but many of us have been a part of conversations just like this. If, if we're not careful, we walk around, especially as Christians, because we believe we have the moral high ground, and I believe that we do, and this is the only sandpaper we've got in our toolbox is extra course. We just rub it everybody we can as often as we can. Going home feeling good about ourselves. Needing Tommy John surgery because we're patting ourselves on the back so often. Super fine. Super fine. It's still a little bit coarse because it still might need, something might need to be removed. You see, Daniel was still saying, I can't do this. But it's the way he went about it was super fine. Paul was still saying to them, you need to be saved by Jesus Christ. And you need his blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. He's not telling them it's okay what they're doing, but he's still rubbing, but he's just doing it in a super fine way. How many of us this week reached for this sandpaper when really what we should have reached was this? with our wives, with our children, with our co-workers, maybe with people right here in this room. Let me give you six questions, and then we're going to go to extra course. We like extra course. That's why we started with super fun. Six questions that we need to ask ourselves. What is God's purpose for this moment? What is God's purpose for this moment? Let me share this with you. Part of knowing the right coarseness for our words is dependent upon our discerning the purpose of the moment. Discernment is a fruit of spiritual maturity, and spiritual maturity is a result of a pathways-driven life. Paul was not supposed to die that day because more of the Bible still needed to be written. He was supposed to go to Rome. There was more work that needed to be done. 
Daniel wasn't supposed to take a stand on that day that might risk him being killed because there were more stands in his tomorrows that he was supposed to take that would later risk his life. As we see Paul, if you study the life of Paul and study the life of Daniel, you find that there are moments where they pull out the coarse paper. But because there was spiritual maturity in their lives, they knew to ask this question, what is God's purpose for this moment? Because sometimes God's purpose for the moment is not for us to just feel good about ourselves. There is a divine purpose that He's trying to accomplish, that He invites us into that moment. And it takes great courage to follow the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit against the, the popular course of action, no pun intended. Number two, you're going to like this one, is my first desire to respect authority. I put the word desire in there intentionally because it should be a desire. Not just, okay, I'm going to do it because it's in the Bible. It should be a desire. The first desire of my heart should be to respect authority. That hurts, doesn't it? And we've preached on that before. Christi many of us as Christians give the world the worst example when somebody's in office who has political views that we disagree with. The things that we say that are disrespectful, dishonoring, mockering, Mockering, did I just make that word up? That's a good word. We're using that. Mockering. Somebody hashtag that, right? Let me give you a story. If you're familiar with the story of the, the prophets, you're like waiting for the bear to come out of the woods and eat some people for mocking. And God doesn't like that kind of stuff. We, people should be able to look at the church and find the best example in the world of how you treat people with, when you don't agree with them. Our first desire as devoted followers of Christ should be to respect authority. You might say, well, they don't deserve it. I don't know where that verse is in the Bible. If you can find it for me, I'll be here after the service. You come show it to me. Respect authority. Genesis to Revelation, it's all over the place. We don't have to agree. Super fine. Super fine. It's my first desire to respect authority. Number three, am I more concerned for God's purpose or my reputation? Am I more concerned for God's purpose or my reputation? Are you more concerned for God's purpose or are you more concerned about the post that's going to be on Facebook tomorrow with your name in it? Yeah. I want to be concerned for God's purpose first and foremost and let my reputation short sort itself out. Let me give you these, these three verses because the last three deal with flattery. Psalm, Psalm 5.9 says, My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave, right? These are strong words here. Their tongues are filled with flattery. Psalm 12, two through three, neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. May the Lord cut off their flattering lips. Isn't that great? That's coarse sandpaper right there. Grit number two. Right? In silence, their boastful tongues. Cut off their flattering lips and silence. Their... God does not like flattery. He doesn't like it. Doesn't like it. Proverbs 29, 5, to flatter friends is to lay a trap at their feet. You know why that is? Because you're not telling them what they need to hear to help them. Come on. 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 through 6, just in case you thought it was only in the Old Testament. Never once did we try to win you with flattery. As you well know, and God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Come on. Paul being super fine. So I got my last three questions are this. Am I flattering them because I want something from them? Right? 
Because you can reach for this paper and sometimes be reaching for it for the wrong reason. You can be reaching for this and you're doing the right thing, but you're doing it with the wrong motivation. Am I flattering them because I want something from them? Am I flattering them because I need affirmation, right? Sometimes we flatter people because we just, we want to know that other people like us. Am I flattering them because I need affirmation? And then my last one before we jump to extra course, am I flattering them because I am avoiding necessary conflict, right? It's, we can't reach for this paper when we should be reaching for this paper. Am I flattering them because I'm avoiding necessary conflict? Again, if I went through those six questions too quick, the document will be on the website and you can download it there this week. All right, let's talk about extra course. Some of you are like, all right, like that one, extra course. Matthew 15, 1 through 20. Now, I might not read all of this, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how far we get. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jer- Jerusalem to see Jesus. And they asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And Jesus replied, and why, and, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I could have given to you. And in this way, you say that they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, when he wrote that these people, they dishonor me with their lips and their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce and they teach man-made ideas as commands of God, right? Anybody know what kind of sandpaper he's using right here? Not super fine. Not super fine. Name calling, making accusations, the religious leaders of his day. And Jesus called the crowd to come and hear. He said, listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes out of your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you by way of the food, right? That's why Krispy Kreme donuts are okay to eat. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth, out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, I'm going to stop here and talk about it. Do you realize that you offended the Pharisees? Right? Don't you love it when the disciples, the, the disciples, disciples are helping Jesus out? Let me help you out, Jesus. I know that you're the living son of God, but you might not have noticed that you just offended somebody. Right? Don't you know that you offended them? Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind gods leading the blind. This is him doubling down on the coarse sandpaper. They're blind gods leading a blind person, leading another, and they will both fall into a ditch. And you can keep going. I've got a couple of references I'm going to go to. I love, I love this teaching of Jesus. It's like it's imposter Jesus. Are you with me? Sometimes you're reading in the Bible and you're like, what did they do with the real Jesus? Where is he? Because this is not what I learned about on the flannel board when I was in Sunday school. He's holding the sheep and hugging the children. He's not a name caller. Who is this? It's because Jesus understands that sometimes you have to be super fine and then sometimes you have to be extra coarse. And you got to know the difference between the two. In, in this very teaching, he says to us, hey, watch, watch your words. Just watch it because you can defile yourself. And you know what the disciples are thinking? What the heck did he just do? Isn't that what he just did? Didn't, didn't he just 
didn't he just say things that he shouldn't have said? And this is why it's even more like imposter Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? Read it. We just read it in the text. Ignore them. So not only did he offend them, but then he said, I know they're offended. Just ignore them. I don't care about them. Right? Maybe we should put that in one of our core values as a church. We offend people, and then we ignore them after we're done. It's right here in, 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 in Matthew 15. We can do a little scripture reference like we do, right, for all our, right? that would be great. What, what is he doing? He's teaching us something that's important. He's saying, hey, there are times where you have to be extra coarse, but that just can't be who you are all the time. It cannot be who you are all the time. I should not be characterized as super fine, and I should not be characterized by extra course. I should be characterized as a person who always takes the time to find the right tool for the right job. Let me give you another one. If my only test is whether or not my words will offend them, then I will never say everything that needs saying. Matthew 23. Matthew 23. This comes out of a, a famous sermon by Jesus. It's called The Eight Woes. Uh, it doesn't, uh, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, so it doesn't use the word woe uh, in here. That's out of the King James. So a lot of the titles of the sermons come from the King James, uh, King James but it, it, here it says, What sorrow awaits you? But, but, but in the King James, it says, Woe to you. So these are the eight woes. That, that Jesus gives. I just want to read a couple of them. Verse 15 says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you yourselves are. Wow! I don't even have that kind of sandpaper up here with me, right? That's like a grinder, right? He's got the grinder out. I should have brought my grinder with me tonight. 27 to 28. What sorrow awaits you? Woe to you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. Hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. How are you? You look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Wow! Wow! Verse 33, he's just getting warmed up, isn't he? Snakes, sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? It's going to be the lesson in kids' church just next week. <laughs> if we're not careful, we, we will get a picture of only one Jesus, and the picture of Jesus is big. It's big. Sometimes he's super fine, and sometimes he's extra coarse. Because Jesus, we're, we're not going to always get it right, but he always did. He was perfect. He only ever got the right tool for the right job every time. And let me give you one more, and then I'm going to give you the six questions for extra coarse. This is John 8. There's my bookmark for John 8. All right, we'll just go there. John 8, 44. John 8, 44. For you 
are the children of your father, the devil. I've only had to open up one counseling session with that verse just one time in my life. No, I'm just kidding. Not yet, but I want to so bad, right? I want to so bad. For you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. And he says to them, and that's your daddy. Then he dropped the mic and walked off the stage. Six questions. Does my authority compel me to intervene? Does my authority compel me to intervene? intervene? Have, have you been given some position of authority in the workplace, sometimes in the home, depending on what your role is in the home? Let's say you're a single mom. You're the authority of that house. Sometimes you're going to have to step in and say things to your children that they might not want to hear. You with me? Does the authority, does the authority that I have compel me to intervene. If you lead a ministry at church, if you're visiting from other ch- some other church center and you're part of a ministry, sometimes you know there's conflict that happens. If you're the person that's in authority, it's your responsibility to step in. You got to know how to step in. You got to go take the right tools for the job in the right place, in the right way, in the right time, in the right setting. But you, so you are the one who must intervene. We, we cannot withdraw from conflict because it frightens us. Does my authority compel me to intervene? Does my relationship give me permission to intervene? Sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with authorities, but because you're their friend, because you love them, because you care about them, because you're willing to pick up the phone and say, hey, can we talk? Can I, can I, can I, can, can I buy you a cup of coffee? We want to be a church where people love each other enough to have the hard conversations. When people become a part of the leadership community here at the City Life Church, we have something we call the Barnabas Mandate. There's four components to the Barnabas Mandate. It's based off of the life of Barnabas. Barnabas. It's something we created on our own here at City Life. We did it years ago. It's, it was one of the, it's one of the best things that we've ever done as a church. And the last thing that's on there out of the Barnabas Mandate is that are you willing to both initiate and receive difficult conversations? It's got to be part of who we are. If I love people... I'm going to be willing to say things that might make me uncomfortable and make them uncomfortable because I care. Number three, am I doing everything possible to set them up for success? See, because just because you need to say something and just because they need you to say something doesn't mean that you can just press the gas and burst through the barrier. When do they need to hear it? How do they need to hear it? Does somebody else need to be there? Do I need to wait a little while because they're in a heightened emotional state and give them some time to calm down and then talk to them later? My goal is to not be right. My goal is to help. My goal is to help. And sometimes helping means waiting. It doesn't mean not doing it. It means waiting. Am I doing everything possible to set them up for success? Am I operating off of a script Or am I following the Holy Spirit? We talk about scripts a lot here at City Life Church. I have scripts in my life. You have scripts in your life. And one of the ways you figure out a lot of your scripts is when you get married. 
And you start treating your wife a certain way, and she's looking at you like, who are you right now, right? Well, because who I am is I'm my father, how he treated my wife in this moment. You with me? My, my mother, how my father treated my, well, that would be bad. That, and then I would be a part of Paul's conversation. <laughs> you tracking with me? There's patterns that get set in our lives. We call them scripts because we understand this. When you go to a movie, the actors, are, they're following a script. They're, they're, it's given to them what they're supposed to say. You got stuff that's been given to you by your life experience through the marriage that you observed, the marriage you did not observe. The parenting that you received, the parenting that you didn't receive, things that happened to you in the workplace, in schools, relationships that you had that were impactful, mistakes that people made. They, all these scripts get written. That's why we say here at City Life, we want scripture to overwrite all the scripts that have been written in my life. So if you're reaching for the course paper, one of the things you've got to ask yourself, is this a script? Am I, just, am I following some script because this is what I saw my father always do or this is how my mother always reacted? That's what we're talking about. We're saying it's the Holy Spirit who's supposed to be the dominant influencer of my will leading me in this moment. Number five, am I just venting my own frustrations? All of us have got to have people that are safe where we can just vent. You just can't stuff all that stuff down. We preached about that not too long ago. We talked about prayers of imprecation. We talked about shigeon, and we talked about these words. You can get it in the podcast, and this, how we're supposed to take that stuff to God. But can we just say, you also need some friends that you can just vent to. You got to have some people in your life where you can just burp and throw up. Because if not, you're going to throw up on somebody you're not supposed to. And, and, and can we just say, those of you who need to vent more than maybe some of us, you need to start it by saying, I'm just venting here. Just help, help, help us out. Because I'm a problem solver, and I get into that gear quick. Well, I'm going to fix this problem. You're like, I don't need you to fix my problem. And I'll be like, well, why are you talking about it? Because I'm venting. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm good. I'm good now. I'm good now. I'm just going to eat this ham biscuit while you're talking with some Hellman's mayonnaise. Just say, I'm just, call somebody up and say, I, just, I need to vent. I need a vent. Somebody calls you up and says that, you take the time to listen. That's a gift that you're giving to them. They got some emotion that they've got to get out. They can share that with you because it's a safe place. I say this one for last. Do I lack the moral authority necessary to intervene? Do I lack the moral authority necessary to intervene? This is one of the reasons why men fail as leaders in their homes. Because they're not living right in private. And so they know, I do not have the moral authority that I need now to lead my family. It's the greatest cause of passivity in the home. Greatest cause. That's why we have men's groups here and men's Bibles. That we have got to get it right in our lives. I'm just telling you, because the devil loves to draw us away into temptation so now we can't lead our sons in what it means to have sexual purity because we don't even have it ourselves. Amen. You with me? And we could just keep going with that list. Men, we have a response. We have got to get it right. We're not going to be perfect, but we got to get it right more often than not. Because if not, we will not lead in our homes the way we're supposed to. We will, we will lack the moral authority that we need to step in and bring leadership and set the pace for spiritual health and well-being in our marriages and in our children's lives.
And that has got to change. And if you need help with that, we're here to help you do it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. So we went to the Verizon store the other night. We thought we were being clever. We were going to go really late, like an hour before they closed, because we thought, who else would be there, right, that late at night? So you couldn't even find a parking space in the parking lot, which they only have about four parking spaces anyways. I'm not even sure why, why can't they get a bigger building? So we go in anyways, and, and there's the person that's right in the door, right? They don't even, they, they can't even get in without you checking in. And, and, uh, and so they, they, uh, they say, can I get your name? And so I, I say, you know, I'm Fred. And, and I said, before we go any farther, how long's the wait? And she said, oh, it's about an hour. So, okay, we'll see you later, right? So I'm like, we're not waiting an hour here at the store. That's, cr- that's crazy. We had a lot of stuff to do. So, so we left, and so I said, I'll just go during the day, right, during lunch or something like that, because surely there won't be as many people there then, right, just like on a random Tuesday or something. So I, I'm back in. It's around lunchtime, and, and uh, I go in there, and it's the same girl. I'm like, have you even left, right? Have you been here for three days straight? And, uh, and I said, how long's the wait? And she said, oh, it's about an hour. But I, but I was ready this time. I had my iPad, I had work that I could do, I had my, my earphones, so I'm like, cool, it's good, I'll just wait, wait my turn. So I went in and sat down and pulled out my iPad, and there was this, there was this let's just call them grandparents, they were of that season of life, and maybe great-grandparents, let's just say that, sitting next to me and uh, on this bench. And uh, so I opened up my iPad, and, and, uh, and so when we got our, our, uh, our, our cable years ago, they, they gave us this deal where you got all these premium channels for free. And so when I call to renew my contract, I, like, I renegotiate that every time, right? I'm like, oh, I want, I want to keep this for free. So, and they always just re-up it, right? And so, so you can get those premium channels on your mobile device. So I go in, and I open up my iPad, and I pull up HBO. I'm thinking maybe there's a movie. I can just hang out and watch this movie, and, and uh, I'll worry about the work later. And so, so I've, I pull it up, and I feel this person encroaching on my personal space, right? And I know it's this grandma sitting next to me, right? She's like, whoop, like all the way over. Like she could have just put her head on my shoulder. And, and I'm thinking, I have to make a decision here, right? And am I going to look at her? But if I turn my face, I might actually kiss her. So I'm going to have to stay with my head facing front. And uh, so I, I don't look, right? I'm just, I'm kind of got my ear, earbuds in and, and uh and then I hear her lean back over. I, I can't remember her husband's name. We'll just call him Bob. Bob, he's got HBO in his pad. I mean, as loud as she can. Like, she just thought, right, that's like going to the moon and back. He's got HBO on his pad. She said, I am so sorry, sir. I have been here for three hours and 25 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's not good, right? Three hours. And she's like, I didn't know you could do that. How, right? So now I'm helping her and explaining to her how to do it. And then I feel bad because the guy comes up to me and says, I've only been sitting down for 10 minutes. Sir, you're next in line. She looked at me and said, that's what they told us three hours ago. So why am I telling you that story? I'm telling you that story because that's how we live our lives. We, we, we think I didn't, didn't know that was possible. We read in God's word and we go, ha ha, who knew that God wanted me to do that? Can I just tell you as a church, we want your conversation with God to be shorter that sounds like, God, I I didn't even know that's what you wanted me to do. 
I didn't even know that's how you wanted me to live. I didn't even know that sometimes I was supposed to be super fine and then sometimes I was supposed to be extra coarse. I didn't, I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know. It's one of the reasons why we have a teaching pulpit at this church is because we want you to know. I want to know. There's going to be things all of us when we get to heaven, we're going to be like the great grandma in the Verizon store and go, ah, who knew? Let's make that less instead of greater because we want this book, Scripture, to instruct our lives. Stand with me. Father, as we step into this moment of worship, Father, I pray, I pray that for each of us who maybe are about to have some difficult conversations that now we're going to be better equipped to know which way to go. And for those of us, God, who maybe have been avoiding some conversations that maybe we'll now have the courage to step in. And for those of us who maybe stepped in the wrong way, maybe we were super fine when we needed to be extra coarse or we were extra coarse when we needed to be super fine, that that you're going to give us the courage to go back and make that situation right. That we're going to be more concerned about you and your purpose than our own pride and our own reputation. Let's worship together. You're calling us to deeper love. Yeah.